Awesome. Good morning, Porch community. How are you guys doing today? Good? You guys awake? Everyone's alive? Look around. Everyone around you is breathing a little bit at least, right? Okay, good. My wife, Megan, and I, were super excited to be here. This is actually a date we've had on the calendar for a couple months, and we've been, like, really looking forward to it. There are a few people in your church that we already know and we already love, and they're actually here. A couple of them. We got one in the front row right here, and we also, our friend in the second row right here, he's actually moved from the back in his normal seat to the second row just for us. And if you know Brian, you know he would, like, at some point, everyone in service to turn and look at him. So if you want to do that right now, but Brian helped make the introduction to us and the Porch Community Church, and so we're super excited to be here. Um, we're going to tell you about Hope Project today. Listen, I'm probably pretty biased, but I believe that we have the greatest job in the world. My wife and I, and many times together with our 11-year-old son, we get to travel all around the world, and we go to these little obscure places, and we sit down with pastors and community leaders, and we just say, tell us your vision for your community. What are the plans God has placed in your heart to reach the people around you? And that's a powerful thing. You know, in Nehemiah, when Nehemiah talks about uh, his plans for rebuilding the wall around Jerusalem, he calls them the plans God placed in his heart. And God is still placing plans in people's hearts all over the world. And we get to go and sit down with these people. And we usually find out they've got a plan, they've got a vision, they've got the excitement, they're looking at their community, but they just don't have resources. The only thing they're lacking is the resource. And then we get to be the ones sometimes to bring resource to the vision. We get to come alongside them. We get to have like front row seats to the miraculous. We get to have front row seats sometimes to the very moment that light comes into darkness around the world. We get to do that. And then other times we get to get in our car and we get to drive places like Valdosta, Georgia. Son, right? We out here. We get to come out here. We get to say, go dogs or whatever. Is that right? I, okay, I know that could be fighting words, okay? Someone told me if you say go dogs, you have to bark afterwards. I'm not there yet, okay? So you, you guys do the barking part. I'll just say go dogs when I'm here, okay? But we get to come to places like this because there's a group of people here at your church that have said we want more. We want more. We want everything God has for us. We want a, one of those front row seats to the miraculous. We want to go to where light is going into darkness. And we're going to do that in February. We have a team going to build houses around the world. And something we say to all our partners is this. Together we are going to change the world. Together, the Porch Community Church, Hope Project International, we are going to change the world. Now, it may take time. It may be a long process, but little by little, we will change the world. And I want to tell you guys today the very first step, okay? This is like step 1A. If you want to change the world, do you guys want to change the world? Like, are you interested in that? A couple heads, okay. If you want to change the world, this is step 1A I'm going to tell you today, okay? Are you ready for it? It's profound. Just show up, okay? Just show up. Now, as I say that, I'm immediately going to contradict myself, though, because when I say just show up, I don't mean just show up. Like, this may hurt your feelings, but I have to let you know, your body being in a room doesn't necessarily make that room better, okay? When I say show up, I'm talking about, like, bringing your best self into the spaces and the places that God places you and going with your ears and your eyes and your heart open to see what does God have for me in this space. I'm willing to show up, but believing God will do something in the room, Okay? There's an interesting story actually in Luke chapter 22 where it's right before the Passover meal and Jesus is getting ready to have what he knows is the last supper with his disciples. And he sends two disciples on ahead and he's like, I want you to go prepare the meal for us. It's Peter and John. And they say, sure, we'll go. We'll go on ahead. We'll show up and do the stuff. Just tell us where to go. And Jesus actually tells them where to go. He tells them what to look for when they get there. He tells them what to say when they see what they're looking for. And then he says, you'll go to a place that's already set up for you. 
It's Luke 22. I want you to see the words. I, I can tell you this story all day long, but I want you to see it. So Luke 22, I'm going to read to you. I'm going to start at verse 7. You'll see, like, pick up around verse 10 here. But it says, Now the festival of unleavened bread arrived when the Passover lamb is sacrificed. Jesus sent Peter and John ahead and said, Go and prepare the Passover meal so we can eat it together. Where do you want us to prepare it, they asked. And this is it right here. Jesus replied, As soon as you enter Jerusalem, a man carrying a pitcher of water will meet you. Follow him. And at his house he enters. Say to the owner, The teacher asks where the guest room where I can eat the Passover meal with my disciples. He will take you upstairs to a large room that is already set up. That's where you should prepare the meal. And then verse 13 actually goes on to say, the disciples went and they saw everything just as Jesus had told them. If we are willing to show up in places, eyes and ears open, looking for what God has for us in that space, that's where we'll start to change the world, okay? Now I'm going to preach this sermon today with a kind of a, a sense of urgency, all right? Because you guys have the luxury today, you can hear this sermon and say, okay, that was cool. And then you get to decide whether or not you're going to actually do it. For me, for my wife, there's no choice in the matter. We've already decided this is what we're going to do. We have a sense of urgency that really comes from an experience we had coming out of 2020. Okay, you guys remember 2020? It was a tough time. It was a weird time. It was a time of confusion. It was a time of pain. It was a time of frustration. 2020 was really difficult for us because... We had been taking teams all over the world to do projects, build houses, feed kids, do these things. And in 2020, we had to cancel 20 international trips. And in doing so, it meant that 100 homes would not be built for kids. Now, as you look at this picture up here, you've got all these kids. We build houses in this country, this country. We do concrete floors in this country. We have an orphanage in that country. We had to cancel 20 trips to go to these places and build homes. 100 homes did not get built in 2020. Think about that. A hundred homes kids are waiting to receive were not built in 2020. And we just ended up sitting in our apartment for weeks and months, waiting, wondering, when will we go again? I can still remember the first time I saw a plane fly by our apartment window at the end of 2020. I jumped up, I ran to the window, I was like, Megan, get in here, quick! Which I found out is very unsettling to your wife, okay? She came in the room like, who's bleeding or on fire? Because that's the only reason you should be yelling like that in the apartment. So I'm looking out the one, I'm like, there's a plane in the sky. Someone's going somewhere. And we just watched it. Wow, it's amazing. And I started doing this. Every time I saw a plane, I would announce it. Megan, there's a plane in the sky. Someone's going somewhere. Eventually said, she said, Than, you don't have to announce every time a plane flies by our apartment. She said, you're not five years old, you're an adult. And I said, I know you are, but what am I? There's a plane in the sky. And one day, we're going to fly again. And so coming out of 2020, we did get to fly again. 2021, we went to Nicaragua, built some houses. 2020, or February of 2021, we went to Ethiopia for the first time. April, we went to build houses. And in June, we had an experience that gives me the sense of urgency that I have today. And it has to do with this next picture, this girl right here, okay? In June of 2021, we built this girl a home. And when we build homes, they get brand new beds in the house. They get a provision of groceries. They get a little plaque that says Esperanza, which is hope. And there's always a moment when we build a house for families like this where we stand in front of the finished product and we have a prayer service. We dedicate the home and we, we hear their story. We tell them this home is not a gift from Hope Project to your family. It's not a gift from the porch church, community church to your family. This home's a gift from God to your family. God heard your prayer, and he answered it, and now your family has a home. And we heard this little girl's story. Her mom started, like, at the dedication, talking about the home, and then she started talking about the beds. 
thank you so much for the beds. We love the beds. My daughter loves her bed. Last night, she slept on the top bunk of the bed. She got the best night's sleep she's ever had in the bed. And we started thinking like, okay, what about the home, right? I know the bed's nice, but what about the home? And then we found out why. This mom said, for the last six months, it's been very difficult for our family. She said, we've just been moving from house to house, sleeping wherever we could sleep. We spent many nights sleeping on the ground. She said, one night recently, our family was in a home, a neighbor let us in. My little girl was sleeping on the ground, and in the middle of the night, a scorpion crawled in her mouth and stung her. Yeah. This girl right here. And I've told this story a couple times, but that part has never gotten easier. To look at this little girl and say, man, one night she was sleeping in the dirt, and a scorpion crawled in her mouth and stung her. And I immediately started playing this what-if game in my head, saying, what if we hadn't canceled those 20 trips in 2020? What if we had built those 100 homes, right? Which one of those 100 would this girl have received? And would she have got it before or after that fatal night with the scorpion crawled in her mouth and stung her? And this has haunted my wife and I, and it's caused us to say, never again. Never again will we allow this to happen to a little girl simply because we didn't show up. We had the plan. We had the team. We had the funds. We had it all, but we couldn't show up. And that was the result. And so as I talk to you guys today about showing up, that's the urgency I have. We want to show up all around the world for these kids and for their needs. And I'm going to take you guys to a verse today. This is going to kind of be the, the, the meat and potatoes of today's sermon. It's going to be in Hebrews chapter 3. If you've got a Bible, you want to go there. Heard some Bibles flipping earlier. Hebrews chapter 3 is really just two powerful verses that give us a mindset on how to show up for others how to show up in our own community, how to show up around the world, how to show up in our own family, how to just show up for the body of Christ around the world. And it's Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12 through 14. And I'm just going to read through it, and then we're going to take it a little bit piece by piece, okay? So if you're there, good. If not, it'll be up there. But Hebrews 3, 12, it says, Be careful then, dear brothers and sisters. Make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving, turning away from the living God. You must warn each other every day while it's still today, so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. For if we are faithful to the end, trusting God just as firmly as when we first believed, we will share in all that belongs to Christ. These two verses are just packed, not so much with a how-to, where to show up, but a mentality and how we show up for our brothers and sisters. Right there in verse 12, it says, Be careful then, dear brothers and sisters. How many of you guys got brothers and sisters in the house? Anybody? Okay, we need to show up for each other, show up for the church around the world as brothers and sisters. Now, immediately you may think, you don't know my brother or sister, right? I never had a sister. My best friend had a sister. I can still feel her fingernails in my arm, okay? I'm not talking about that type of showing up, okay? I'm talking about like a, a picture of God's family, a heavenly family where brothers and sisters are carrying each other's burdens, are helping each other, are, are encouraging each other and moving along. It says, make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving, turning you away from the living God. This is the best version of ourselves part that I mentioned earlier, that we show up the best version of ourselves, that we ourselves are ready in every situation. We're ready to help. We're ready to serve. We're ready to worship. We're ready to be a part, making sure we don't turn away. But this is the key right here. It says, you must warn each other every day while it's still today 
so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. I love that sense of urgency there. Every day while it's still today. I feel like a lot of times that there's two things that hinder us from showing up, that hinder us from being in the room, that hinder us from being full present, that hinder us from being the best version of ourselves, okay? And it's either what happened to us in the past or what we're worried about in the future. You guys know what I'm talking about? It's either something happened before and I haven't been able to get past it, and that's why I'm kind of stuck today, or I don't know what's going to happen in the future. So all my energy, all my effort, all my mind is figuring out how to take care of things in the future, and I can't be present today. I'm going to talk about those two kind of things today, about not living in the past, but also not living in the future. I'm going to talk about the past first, and I'll tell you, I don't struggle with this. I don't struggle with the past. I'm more of a future guy, so my time is coming, but a lot of times I realize there's trauma, there's things that have happened in the past. A lot of people will say, the last time I showed up, it didn't work out. The last time I tried that, I got hurt. The last time I invested in the relationship, I came up empty and broken. The last time even I served in my church, these are the terrible things that happened. We've all got a past. We can't change the past, but we also can't give it full control over the present, right? And I don't really understand this a lot, but I know the writer of Hebrews would have understood this, okay? The writer of Hebrews is writing to a group of people that are mostly their Jewish converts to Christianity. They have lived their whole lives in the Jewish temple, in the Jewish tr customs, traditions. They've been Jews their whole lives. And then they saw Jesus come. They saw him crucified. They heard how they are converted to Christianity. And the writer of Hebrews is writing to them, saying, you've got to let the past go, and you've got to live in this present moment. Many of them are actually trying to Judaize Christianity. They're trying to bring all of their customs to the table and follow Jesus with the old way of doing things. If you really want to understand this, we've got to go back to Acts chapter 6 and 7, okay? Now, I know you guys are in a 30-week series on Acts. Is that true? Yeah? Axed out yet? Maybe? A little bit? You're saying yes, but I think you're saying yes, it's been awesome, okay? So you're going to be able to track with me because you're going to have to track with me a little bit here. I'm going to take you back to Acts chapter 6 and 7. Acts chapter 6, I believe, at the beginning of that is the most dangerous and most important time in church history, Acts 6 and 7, because it's at a point where the church is growing so much that we know the Greek and the Hebrew believers start arguing with each other, don't they? And they say, our widows are not being taken care of like your widows are. And so in this moment, the apostles have two choices. They can either say, we're only going to preach the gospel. We're not going to meet any needs. We're not going to show up for the widows and orphans. We're, we're not about that. We just preach the gospel here. Or they could say, we're not going to preach the gospel anymore. We're only going to care for people. We're only going to meet needs. Both of those things are dangerous. But they make a plan that they can do both. They said, we're going to preach the gospel, and we're going to set up a team of people that will show up for the widows. And they appoint these seven men. One of them is Stephen. All right, everyone say Stephen. Stephen is only around for a little while here. Most of you probably already know why. If you don't, spoiler alert, Stephen's days are numbered. Stephen is tasked with one of these people that is supposed to show up for the widows. And he starts doing it, and he does it so well, it actually says he starts performing miracles. Stephen starts showing up, best version of himself, eyes, ears, hearts open, saying, God, how can I affect change? How can I serve well? How can I be here for my people, for my brothers and my sisters? And God starts using him to do miracles. Well, the Jews in the area don't like it. They see Stephen's authority. They see him as having power. 
and they make a plan to get rid of Stephen. They actually take this little fake mock trial thing. They make up lies about him. They accuse him. An argument kind of breaks out. And Stephen is actually killed for the way that he shows up. Right before Stephen is killed, I want you to hear this verse right here. It's actually in the book of Acts, chapter 6. Verse 7 says, So God's message continued to spread. The number of believers greatly increased in Jerusalem, and many of the Jewish priests were converted too. Many of the Jewish priests were converted. This would have been the audience that Hebrew writer is writing to. As he's saying, show up for each other today. Do you know what Stephen was accused of? Talking bad about Moses and saying Jesus would destroy the temple. Do you know what the writer of Hebrews wrote right before the verses I just read to you? He said, but Jesus deserves far more glory than Moses. Just as a person who builds a house deserves more praise than the house itself. It's as if he's saying, I see you, I know you, I know your past. I know what you've lived through. You're now a follower of the way, and Jesus is better. And I want to say the same thing to anyone here today that's struggling with something that happened to you in the past. God sees you. He knows your past. He knows what you've been through. He knows what you've lived through. And he wants you to know that if you will follow him here now while it's still today, it will be better than anything you've ever experienced. That's what the writer of Hebrews is saying. He actually spends most of the book saying, Jesus is better than your past. He uses the Greek word for like better or superior 15 times in this letter because he wants them to know, step out of the past and into the present. Now, some people, though, have a problem with stepping out of the future and into the present. Am I the only one? Is anyone else here, please, somebody? Okay, good. Some of you know your mind is stuck in the future. My wife and I used to have a 10-year calendar on our wall in the living room, okay? It was above the TV, and it was bigger than the TV. One day I'm going to preach a sermon that is, is your vision bigger than your television, okay? I think someone else preached it in the 90s, but that's what I would preach. We had a 10-year calendar on the wall. And when we started, like, canceling those trips in 2020, we thought we'd get up and change the calendar. The moment we touched it, it fell off the wall and crumpled up. We were like, yes, Lord, we hear you. Our plans about the future need to come back to the present time and see what you have for us here and now. We took a a team a few years ago of 50 high schoolers to the country of Nicaragua to build houses. Have you ever tried to take 50 high schoolers anywhere? Yeah. You did? God bless you. God bless you. You're still here to tell the story. Is that why you walk with a limp? Is that what that's about? Yeah. We took 50 high schoolers to Nicaragua, okay? And the moment we planned the trip, I wanted to throw up. And then I immediately lost many hours of sleep. But I started saying to people, our goal of this trip is to get through the second day of building. That's what I started saying. I would get up in a team meeting and say, okay, we got this team. They're going to Nicaragua. The goal of the week is to get done. And then once we got to Nicaragua, I realized... The goal of the week isn't to get done. There's going to be so many little moments here and there that if my mind is like, dear God, if no one dies on this trip by Thursday, thank you, Jesus. I had to be in the moment. I've learned this from my son. I have a six-year-old son. And I have an 11-year-old son. When he was six, he graduated kindergarten one day and went to Southeast Asia the next day. He got on a plane. His principal was like, hey, buddy, got any plans for the summer? He's like, yeah, I'm going to Southeast Asia tomorrow. He's like, oh, my goodness. Well, we got on a plane, 44 hours later, we were in Southeast Asia, and we weren't even at our final destination. As we walked, can you believe it? We're finally here. And that joker looked at me and said, that didn't feel very long at all. 
I was like, are you crazy? You grew a mustache on this trip. Before we left the house, you had your kindergarten cap and gown on. I can smell your armpits right now, okay? That's how long we've been going. For me, I was on the plane thinking about everything I had to do in Southeast Asia. For him, he was just on a trip with his parents. He was in the moment. He was right there in it. And I think sometimes if we live too far in the future, trying to figure out how we're going to pay the bills, are we going to get that contract? How are we going to get the kids into college seven years from now, right? We live so much in the future that we miss the moments that we need to show up today. The best version of ourselves in the room, eyes, ears, hearts open to see how God wants to move. And I got to tell you, if you can pull yourself out of the past and out of the future, if you can live in this moment, there's so much freedom, there's so much joy, there's so much power right there in the moment. Probably the most in the moment of my life happened in February 2021. My wife and I went to Ethiopia for the first time. And in Ethiopia, we found out that Than and Megan are very difficult names. Okay, Than's always been a difficult name. In Ethiopia, Megan is a difficult name as well. And so they told us, our partners there said, we're going to give you new names this week. And we were like, oh, hallelujah. It's almost biblical, right? It's like, I want a new name. Give me one. Yes. So we had this community event. All these kids are up in the front. All their parents are in the back. And they said, our visitors here from Hope Project, they've come to serve. We want to give them new names. And so I stepped up first, like, here it is. This is my moment. And they said, anyone got a good name for Than? I was like, make it a strong one. And this little old lady stood up in the back. And she goes, uh, Willie? <laughs> I was like, excuse me? It sounded like she said Willie. There's no way I flew 28 hours to come here and have people call me Willie, okay? Now, if you're here today, your name's Willie. That's a good, strong Christian name in America. Proud of you. But not for me, okay? So I say, Willie's not going to work. You're free to go, right? She can go. Get her some groceries. She can go home. We're going to celebrate my new name as soon as I get it, okay? And someone else raised their hand, and they said, Dawit. I'm like, Dawit, okay. Tell me more. Dawit actually means David. I was like, now we're talking. We're like, give me a sling. And the tallest guy in Ethiopia, I'm going to show you how David's do it, okay? So I'm David. I'm pumped. Then my wife steps up, and she's going to get a name. And they give her this name, Rael. Say it, Rael. And I'm like, it's so beautiful. Of course it is. It's her name. It has to be, right? And then the next thing they do, this is my in-the-moment moment, okay? Not the past, not the future. I'm in the moment. They start playing music, and the kids start dancing. Now, listen, if you're ever in Africa, and they play music, and kids are dancing, what do you have to do? You've got to dance, okay? So I'm like, all right, this is it. We're dancing. And I may not look like it, but I've got moves, guys. I do. And so I, I actually, I just start with, like, the shoulders a little bit like this. I'm, like, nodding at kids, pointing. And then I start remembering my old kids' church moves. We were kids' pastors for 10 years. And I'm like, oh, I got one. I start doing the water pump. <laughs> then I do what I call the funky chicken. Okay, I made this up in middle school. It goes like this. And I'm just dancing circles around these kids, okay? And as I dance, the crowd starts cheering. Like, obviously, right? And so I get so into it. I'm just, like, dancing. I'm going. And the more I dance, the more they cheer. And I start having, like, visions of, like, dancing missionary saves a nation, right? 
Like, this is my moment. I've got my new name. I've got my anointing. I'm dancing. Kids start chanting. The crowd starts chanting, and I can hear it. And it starts to get louder. Then I realize they're actually chanting this. Rael, Rael, Rael. I'm like, that's, I'm, da- I'm Dawit. You got, you got, and I look up. Not one person's watching me dance. Nobody. Maybe the Willie ladies in the back, like, right? I look over, and my wife is in an epic dance battle with one of the women in the community, for real. They're like shoulder to shoulder. They're like backside to backside. They start spinning circles around each other, and everyone's chanting, Rael, Rael. Now listen, in this moment, there was so much freedom. There was so much joy. It was just brothers and sisters together in the moment, living together. I could have moment if I thought, you know what? Last time I danced, it didn't go well. My pinky toe on this foot still isn't the same, right? I could have said, you know what? I'll dance next time. I'll sit out this round. Next time I get a chance to dance in Africa, you know, like you always do. I'll dance then. No, it had to be that moment. And we've tried to recreate the moment. I've been in Africa several times since. They play music. I can't dance. I can't. It was only that moment. And I feel like we do that sometimes in life and in the church, where we're either don't do something because of the past or the future, and we miss the moment that we're in. I think it happens with churches. I think nights of worship, service days are a good example. You have a good service day, and you're like, that was awesome. We served our community. I loved it. I can't wait till next year, right? And all year long, we look forward to the next serve day. Then when it comes around, it's like, oh, shoot, I, we've got a baseball tournament that weekend, Right? Or, oh, the in-laws are in town, or I got the work thing. And you miss the thing you looked forward to all year long because in the moment you weren't prepared for it. And that's how life goes sometimes, okay? And the writer of Hebrews is, is kind of warning us against that. He says, you must warn each other every day while it's still today so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. And this is the kicker right here. Verse 14 is the most important. For if we are faithful to the end, trusting God just as firmly as when we first believed, we will share in all that belongs to Christ. How many guys want to share in all that belongs to Christ? Yeah, a couple of us do. Our job is now to show up until every hand in the room goes up. That we want to share in all that believes to Christ. I could spend the next hour doing a sermon on 10 things that belong to Christ. We're talking about we get to share in all that belongs to Christ. But we've got to show up every day while it's still today. And if we do, it's a beautiful thing. I'm going to tell you guys one more story today, and it's about a little boy, actually. We've got a picture of him here. And his name is Esau. And we're just going to leave that picture there for a minute because Esau's story is a story of what it looks like if we will show up as brothers and sisters over and over, day after day, week after week, month after month. We actually built Esau a home in 2021, I believe. And that day, we're actually building his home. He's about seven years old. And he worked hard all day long, barefoot, bucket on his shoulder, mixing mud, helping carry things, putting up walls, trying to hammer nails, doing his best. And we got to know Isak, and we asked him about his future. We said, Isak, what do you want to be when you grow up? He's like, I don't know. He said, but I do know this. I will never attend school, and I will never go to church. Those are his two non-negotiables. This little boy, seven years old, in the back barrio in Nicaragua. And we honest with him that day. We said, listen, Isak, if you never go to church, you school, life's going to be hard. You need to figure out something you can do with your life. You're pretty good at building. Why don't you come tomorrow and help build the next house, and we'll pay you for it. And seven-year-old Isak was like, you'll pay me for this? You'll pay me 
to work in the mud all day with my friends? We're like, sure, come on down tomorrow. Next day, five o'clock in the morning, Isak shows up at the main builder's house. And the guy's like, Isak, we don't start for two more hours, go home. He's like, no, I want to build. And so Isak started coming out with us. The next picture you can see, Isak started coming out. He started building with us. Became a little construction worker, right? Little seven-year-old. And we would check in with him. Isak, you want to go down to the church with us at the end of the week? We've got a children's program. No, thank you. I'll never go to school. I'll never go to church. But he would build. And so we would pay him. And now I know some of you are thinking, are there child labor laws there? Okay. Maybe. But only if the child actually labors. Okay. Isak, as you can see from the next picture, isn't always like the most proficient worker. Okay. I've seen Isak storm off a job site because someone used his shovel. Kid doesn't own a shovel, okay? One day we had, we had a meal. We brought these uh, green mangoes with chili on them, and we had this big bowl of them. Isak ate the whole bowl while everyone else worked, went home, laid in his bed. It didn't get up till the next morning and came to the next job site, okay? One time Isak went home from a job, took a shower, came back to the job site with no shoes on. We said, Isak, are you going to work today? He said, I can't. I just took a shower and I don't have shoes. We're like, we know you did that. Nobody did that to you. But we loved Isak. And then one time we had a trip, we went to a hardware store and Isak tagged along. And so the next picture you can see, we got Isak his own tape measure. And what I love about this picture in particular is look at Isak's teeth, okay? You can see this is over time. Yeah, you can like time date stuff. We use Esau's teeth to time date his pictures, okay? He's getting a little older. He turned eight. He turned nine. He's still coming around. We're showing up. He's showing up every day while it's still today. And he took that little tape measure. He did what any good man can do. You see the next picture? He stuck it on his hip. Esau is a big boy now. He's going to have to actually work now. This was the moment he actually has to work. My favorite part about this picture is Isak is actually standing about 10 feet from the front door of the church that he said he would never go in. And we're like, I, I knew in that moment I could pick him up and run him into the church, right? That's what you want to do sometimes, isn't it? Just pick somebody up and run them into the church. But you can't because it's, it's illegal now, I guess, apparently. But we just kept showing up, and he kept showing up. Well, this year, earlier this year, we had a day where we sent 300 kids to school. And in order to go to school, you had to come to the church and get a uniform. And so what we do is we have all the kids there. We pick their backpack, their uniform. We read their name, and they come down to the front. This year, in January, during that moment, we picked up a backpack, and we read Isak. And we thought, there's no way. There's got to be another Isak, right? And wouldn't you know it, who came down that morning and got his school uniform? Look at his teeth. He's nine years old there. And he put it on his backpack going to school. And we said, Isak, that's amazing. You're awesome. It's incredible. We're so proud of you. Now, Isak would keep showing up to still build houses, but his life was being changed. You see this? In May of this year, we had a, a baptism service where we went to that same church that we go to every single time. And anyone from the community could come be baptized. And before we had a service, I looked down in the front row and I see Isak in the front row wearing a white shirt. I think there's no way. There ain't no way. Esau's never going to school. Well, you can cross that off the list. And he said he'd never come to church. But that day after service, look what we did. We baptized Esau right there. In that moment, 
Esau didn't get saved in this moment. He got saved sometime in the three years leading up to it. Where we showed up every day while it was still today. And gave him the opportunity to show up every day while it was still today. And over time, this is what we got to experience. For if we are faithful to the end, trusting God just as firmly as when we first believed, we will share in all that belongs to Christ. Can I tell you something? Esau belongs to Christ. And so as I tell your story, we get to share in his story. Because he is one of the things that belongs to Christ. And this is our first time here. And I'm sorry to cry in front of everybody and dance and all that stuff. But I know that if we have a long-term relationship, Porch Community Church and Hope Project International, over the years, guess what? We're just going to continue to share in more that belongs to Christ. We'll continue to show up every day while it's still today. Day after day, week after week, month after month, until everyone we know experience all that belongs to Christ. Do you guys want that? Is that something you're interested in? Okay. This is what we're going to do then. You guys go ahead and close your eyes. We're going to pray. I'm going to pass it back over to your pastor. We'll have some more instruction for you. But I just want to pray this morning for anyone here that feels a little bit stuck in the past. Something happened, maybe when you were 12 years old, and you still don't understand it, but it still haunts you. My prayer today is that you're released from that so that you can live in the present moment. Or maybe you're here today and you've missed your children growing up because you've been so focused on the future that you want to provide for them. I'm going to pray that God will help you step out of that future and into the present so that you can share in all that belongs to Christ. Jesus, we love you so much. We thank you for your word. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for moments like this, God, where we can come together like brothers and sisters and we can be with each other every day while it's still today with the hope that one day we'll share in all that belongs to you, God. I pray right now for anyone here that's kind of stuck in something that happened in the past. I pray you'll release them from it right now. That you'll break those chains off of them right now in the name of Jesus. And from this point forward today, they will live fully in the moment. God, I pray for anybody here whose mind wanders to the future too often. God, bring them back to you. Bring them back to daily communion with you in the moment, moments with you, God, that can change everything. God, we pray for this church as we move forward in partnership that we want to change the world. We want to build your kingdom. We want to tell a thousand stories like Esau's that over time, little by little, lives were changed and we experienced all that belongs to you, God. We love you and we thank you for all of this. We give you the glory in Jesus' name. Amen.